And me, Pete Phillips. Are not related. And this is a show where two two cool cats tell you things that are out there in this zany world so that you can appear educated when you sit down with other cats at the cat meetings that you go to. Ooh, nice. <laughs> in other words, we tell you things you didn't know you needed to know. Pete, you want to tell me how you are? No, I would rather tell you about how the Mystics got knocked out of the playoffs by the Seattle Storm. Boo! And you know what? I'm not surprised. I saw it coming. Why? Because this is Sue Bird's last year, and she's on the Seattle Storm. And if the Seattle Storm didn't make it out of the first round of the playoffs, it would be like a tragedy. Mm. That's right. Sports is fixed. Oh, wow. That's a hot take. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm sorry to hear that, Pete. Uh, instead of telling you how I am... Also, I'm very stressed right now because I leave work at 3.30 and someone called me at 3.20 and I thought I could get off the phone in time. I got off the phone at 4. And then Marissa knows how far away I live from my job. Then I had traffic getting home. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> but now you shouldn't be stressed. You're back home now. Yeah, and I'm not going to work tomorrow. <laughs> Good for you. Uh, yeah, I, I'm stressed, but I shouldn't be. I have no job. Uh, and I woke up at a disgustingly late time. And <laughs> the only thing I have to do today is go to the gym at 530. Yeah. But I, I didn't make sure I had enough time to do everything I had to do beforehand. So, uh, yeah. I'm so Marissa's becoming- going to talk fast today. <laughs> <laughs> No, Eric will wait if, if he comes a little earlier than I expect. But yeah, there's not there's not much to say, and I will just uh, say, roll tape, Pete. Hi, Pete and Marissa. This is Alex. Marissa, I'm sorry to hear that you got COVID. Um, and thinking of how you closed the most recent episode, saying COVID exists regardless of popular opinion, something like that. Um I wanted to say that I appreciate your sharing your story on the podcast because I think that it helps give the idea that, you know, it really is the case that people like us who are young can still get um, COVID and be affected by it for a pretty big period of time. And when you get it, it is really no picnic. Um, now, there are some people who, when they get COVID, they're just totally asymptomatic. They're fine. Um, or, you know, they have a bad 24 hours. Um but it seems like that's not not always the case. Um, so I wanted to talk about a few reasons to still care about the pandemic, even two years in and, you know, um, with the lethality of it largely blunted by the vaccines. But, you know, when it comes to gas, gosh, we're still losing a 9-11 American every week. It's about 3500 a week at this point. That's more than died on 9-11, and I think about wow. all the resources that our country put into responding to that tragedy, um, or, you know, the, some of which I would argue about how, how we spent those resources, sure, but that's not the point here. Um, but, you know, here is something, a pandemic, where we can choose to work together to take care of it. Um, why can't we put forth resources commensurate with the amount of loss that we're suffering on a weekly basis, not just one time? Um, 
I'm continuing to be... I can answer that question. It's because um, the people aren't actually dying of COVID. They're dying from complications. <laughs> and people are just using COVID so that they can bump up the numbers because that's what the liberals want you to think. Someone cares about my COVID warnings. <laughs> uh, I again, I would never wish COVID upon anyone. I mean, who would? But I mean, like, it was just like way worse than I expected. I do not want to get it. Oh my god, I'm so terrified of getting it again. And I know people in their 30s who have long COVID that symptoms, including heart palpitations, like um, tremors, things like that. So yeah, it's no joke. And I do feel like every single person around me has decided COVID is over. And I'm glad to know I'm not the only one who's like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> Pete, do you have any thoughts? No, <clears throat> not really. <laughs> I was I joking before. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you're a um, new listener. <laughs> so guys, usually now we do an icebreaker. If you could pretend something is over, like America is pretending COVID is over, what would you pick and why? What do you mean I get to pretend? Does everyone else buy into that or is it just me by myself? Yeah. Or like like you and like a you could pretend it's over but it's not over and like you would influence a majority of people into thinking, Oh, this is over. I would like to pretend i would like to decide that five day work weeks are over nice nice i like it it's much better than yeah. mine i was just yeah, gonna say it. pete davidson <laughs> <laughs> that's actually uh, pretty funny i heard oops spoiler alert that he slits his own throat by mistake in his new movie bodies 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 i sh guess i should have said the movie beforehand so you knew what movie it was a spoiler for <laughs> that's a very good point <laughs> <laughs> oh well speaking of spoilers uh, why don't you spoil that topic for us <laughs> okay guys um okay uh, there's no really good segue so usually you know we do this like you know uh, uh, an overarching topic i don't usually do like super topical things but there was something that i really wanted to know more about because it's bugged me and i'm sure it bugged other people but maybe they just didn't care enough but i just if this is thinking, about lantern flies marissa 
No, Pete. <laughs> Get it bugged me? <laughs> no. Oh, haha, nice. I just kept thinking, how could this happen, though? I understand it happened, and I understand there's, like, a public statement, but how could it happen? I just cannot stop thinking about the fact, again, don't laugh at me about this topic. I, I connect it to other things. I just cannot get over the fact that they just scrapped a fully made Batgirl movie. <laughs> and as I sometimes start my episodes, let me first tell you how I Googled this. <laughs> and I will tell you how I Googled it, typos and all. Quote, how in the world can they totally scrap Bat-O-Man? I forgot the... <laughs> also, not a Batwoman movie. It's a Batgirl movie. It's an uh, Irish so I, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> so I did not get the right results. Because they probably thought I meant Batman. So I had to uh, change it. And, and anyway, I eventually got there. If you have not heard the news, because you don't give a shit about superhero stuff, uh, earlier this month, it was announced that the Batgirl film starring In the Heights actor Leslie Grace, as well as Michael Keaton, which I did not realize, mm -hmm. and Brendan Fraser, will not mm -hmm. be released at all, despite shoot shooting already having been completed and the film being in post-production. Now I'm not uh, I'm not incredibly well versed on how much your average movie costs uh, that makes it to the theaters, but the film initially had a 75 million dollar budget that ended up growing to 90 million dollars due to COVID related issues, and it was already in the test screening part of the process. Yeah, so it's uh, there might be like some music missing or some like CGI that needs to get done, but it's basically done. Exactly. Uh, star Leslie Grace had already started giving some interviews where she talked about her role in the movie, uh, expressing her enthusiasm for landing a title role in a movie with pretty well-known stars. Like I said, Michael Keaton, uh, who was going to reprise his Batman role. Mm -hmm. Brendan Fraser was going to be the villain called Firefly. And my personal huh. favorite actor in No Matter What He Does, J.K. Simmons, was going to be Commissioner Gordon Holy shit, I wish he was Commissioner Gordon already in the other Batman movies. I love him I so much. I can't take that one. You can't I also take like him? him. But I feel like you can't be Jay J Jameson. Is, isn't that it? Yeah. In Spider-Man and Commissioner Gordon in Batman. Yeah, yeah. But he's not like... Like, give some other people jobs. <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the most up-to-date Spider-Man. But Batman. not the guy who's in the Nirvana Batman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I do like the guy in the Nirvana Batman. His his romantic chemistry with Robert Pattinson is awesome. <laughs> uh, anyway, so what happened? Uh, Marissa, what that, happened? Well, I'll get to that. <laughs> but it was beyond that. I don't just want. I didn't just like look at like what the article said. I wanted to know: is this a commonplace occurrence? Does this happen other times? I'm sure it has, but like for what reasons? Like, why would you scrap a multi-million dollar movie with a solid roster of stars, for the record? So, I wanted to know all that. So, several sources note that Batgirl was made under different leadership at Warner Brothers. Um, so, when they started filming it, some, some other people were in charge than currently. Uh, and at that time, the company was focused on building its streaming service, HBO Max. So, that effort included the decision to release the studio's whole 2021 movie lineup 
simultaneously in theaters and streaming. Mm -hmm. So by doing that both at the same time, that definitely helps, you know, amp up the HBO Max subscriber base. But it also kind of hurt the studio's reputation with like top tier talent. Like they kind of they want their movies in the theaters first. Yeah, and you want to sell Uh, a bunch of tickets so that you're at the top of the box office. And if I could stay home and watch it, yeah. They don't like can't give a shit if people subscribe to HBO Max, which is why we should also sort of probably revisit the way that we rank things in in that respect. But true. So now um, Warner Brothers has new leadership, some guy named David Zaslav. So prior to taking over the company, he apparently met with many people in the industry. Some guy named how- some guy named David Joker. <laughs> might as well be. Uh, He apparently met with a lot of people in the industry to describe how Warner Brothers could do better by them. Uh, And apparently that discussion led to Zaslav deciding he needed to change how the company does things. Mainly, he needed to commit to releasing Warner Brothers movies in theaters prior to streaming on HBO. No more of this simultaneous release shit. Um, So Batgirl kind of got caught in the crossfire during this transition. Uh, because it is said that the movie was considered not really to be big enough to warrant a major theatrical release, but it also was not small enough <laughs> to make economic sense in the straight-to-streaming landscape. So so better to just flush all that money down the toilet. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you why. Fly in my house. I'll explain why they did it later. So... Were they to send Batgirl to theaters, um, they would have to spend substantially more money. Um, they'd probably need to spend $30 million to $50 million to market it domestically, and probably tens of millions more for the global rollout. And then insiders say that, that basically that option was not on the table, since with this new leadership, Warner Brothers wants to tighten its belt and, uh, what's that saying? Tighten its not tighten its bottom line, produce. You know what I mean? Kind of, but I also don't have an answer. Okay, <laughs> I can't even say. Warner Brothers basically wants to save money, and that is of the utmost importance now with this new leadership. So, first up on their effort to save money, the company chose to shelve the Batgirl movie and also some sort of Scooby Doo sequel that was in the works. And then remove all of Sesame Street? Is that connected to this? I think that is connected to that. Okay. But, I don't, uh, but sources say that the reason... Scooby-Doo the, movie. Is that... Oh, probably like Scoob too. Yeah. Okay. Is, yeah. I yeah. a Scoob sequel, and I was like, what the fuck is Scoob? So I just made it big. <laughs> uh, so sources say that the studio can now use these axed films as tax write-off to recoup their costs. Mm. I don't know how this thing's work. This thing works, but apparently that's, that is the best way for them to cut their costs. That's why my job keeps buying abandoned, <laughs> decrepit buildings in Wilkes-Barre. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> so, like, when I heard this, I was thinking immediately, like, can't we just see the movie some other way? Maybe with some other company? At the slap very that least, shit on YouTube. Yeah, at the very least, can't the directors, like, leak some footage from it so we could see what it might have been? So, first off, 
Once Warner Brothers writes the movie, these movies off for taxes, it actually becomes illegal for the company to release any footage from the movie in any, in any official capacity because they cannot profit from the project in any way. Uh, so any form of monetization is completely off the table. Right. They can't so they profit, can't. but they could put yeah. it out there for free. Yes. Okay. But Which, you know, who the hell would do that? <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, they can't stream it, and they can't even sell it to another studio. Uh, now you might say, well, I know this wouldn't be, like, the right way to do it, but can't the directors that work on it maybe, like, leak a little bit? Well, apparently, in an interview from French magazine Script, uh, the two directors, Bilal Fala and Adil El Arbi, said that they tried to salvage some of the footage and actually, like, capture some of it on their phone and i was mm. my mind i was just like really like they don't like have any better access to this footage they were just gonna like record a piece on their phone uh but apparently when the directors went on the server after they heard the movie was going to be scrapped <laughs> everything was gone every single scene was wiped there was no trace of the movie that they could even like put on their freaking like mobile phones <laughs> um during so the, now we have to call upon the government. Yes. To release. <laughs> to excuse me, what was it? Uh, <laughs> to release the Fala RB cut. <laughs> yeah. So um, one of the so Fala said in the interview, "quote The guys from Warner Brothers told us it was not a talent problem on our part, or the actress Leslie Grace, or even the quality of the movie. We were right in the middle of editing." There was a lot of work to get done, so it's not like the movie was completely finished. Warner Brothers told us the cancellation was a strategic change, a shifting in management, so they could save some bucks. However, that said, uh, the new CEO, David Zaslav, um, defended his decision to scrap the movie in a statement that I felt kind of contradicts that. He said, quote, we're not going to launch a movie until it's ready. We're not going to launch a movie to make a quarter, and we're not going to put a movie out unless we believe in it. We're going to focus on quality. So it sounds like he's publicly saying that movie was shitty. Well, yeah, yeah. It's not good enough for theaters. It's not bad enough for streaming. And by the way, oh, my God, there's a lot of stuff in theaters. I know. Also, I am not saying that this is in any way part of the decision process i have no proof again i'm not even furthering this i you know i don't know but i some have pointed out namely kevin smith that it is not a good look that they canceled this movie which was featuring the first ever like latina in the world of of batman uh batgirl uh the the actress playing batgirl was uh is dominican um, so I, I will say uh, those in the Hispanic community did sort of feel like it was a slap in the face. Again, not saying that's why it happened, but in my group chat of all Puerto Ricans, <laughs> it was a hot topic as to why the shit they completely can—a Latina Batgirl movie—the Ford even saw the light of day. Um, so after reading all that, I got even more annoyed because I thought that was like really nasty. And then they were also supposed to be making a Zatanna movie. Did that get canceled? Oh, ooh, I gotta look at that. God, I love Zatanna. Um, better not be fucking like Megan Fox or some shit. 
I just started thinking of who has black hair and who could look like Zatanna, and for some reason that went into my head and that made me angry. Yeah. No one ever mentioned her as Zatanna. Amelia <laughs> Clark was a hotly contested contender. Ooh, she's hot. She would make a good Zatanna. Not that you have to be hot to be Zatanna, but it doesn't hurt. Anyway, <laughs> um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So, man, first of all, if I was that actress, I would just be traumatized. I, I mean, I'm sure she's still that. I mean, she still got paid, but right. still, like, that must really hurt you to go and just make you feel like shit. Um, but this whole thing led me to wonder, like, how many other times this has happened, and what other reasons have there been for, you know, basically completed movies and TV shows never seeing the light of day? Like, I know things get canceled right after, like, the pilot, if it sucks, but I wanted to see what else just we've never seen and black so, adam is coming out black adam. that sounds familiar with the rock oh yeah why like that's good that? enough <laughs> that's the kind of quality that we're looking for I know exactly. in a I warner know. brothers dc movie <laughs> i know so pete i will now go into some projects we could have seen but probably never will this first one you probably don't care about but boy, when I saw this lineup, I was so sad. <laughs> we could have got the movie All-Star Weekend, starring Jamie Foxx, Jeremy Piven, Robert Downey Jr., Benicio Del Toro, my love, Gerard Butler, and Eva Longario. This was a 2016 completely unreleased comedy about best friends on a road trip. So what exactly happened? It got in the way of it being released? Jeremy Piven? <laughs> yes. Okay, so <laughs> on the books officially, there's no like official reason, but yes, people speculate that it is because of sexual misconduct allegations made against Piven by eight women around that time, which the actor has denied. Um, but also... For some weird reason. <laughs> they pulled it because they were concerned that the amount of charisma in the cast <laughs> might actually ruin the world. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love the cast. Uh, but also, for some weird reason, Robert Downey Jr. was cast to play a Mexican man. And yes, you might say, well, he played a black man in 2008 <laughs> in Tropic Thunder, but... That was like a punchline in itself. He wasn't mm -hmm. doing it. They didn't just cast him as a black man and expect us all to be like, cool. His character was a white man playing a black man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was a meta, like, movie within a movie thing. So that's not the same. So, sadly, we never saw that. I know I would love that movie. I love me some Downey, some Dol Toro, and some Piven. Anyway. Marissa. <laughs> shut up. Anyway, The Good Life. Uh, this was scrapped because of shifty marketing and lawsuits. The Good Life was supposed to be a dark indie comedy centered on a trio of golf-obsessed friends who moved to Miami from New Jersey and become embroiled in a web of crime uh, led by crime lord Dennis Hopper. I found this one funny. <laughs> <laughs> the film was never released in any format due to legal action instigated by Sylvester Stallone. He did a cameo in this film as a favor to his brother Frank Stallone, mm -hmm. who was one of the stars. 
Sylvester Stallone claims that the promotional reel of the film used his cameo scene excessively. Therefore, they were framing it as if Sylvester Stallone was the star of the movie instead of just playing a bit part. He sued for $20 million, (laughs) which was his average salary at the time. And is probably more than the movie cost. (laughs) Yeah. The producers then countersued, and in 1999, the case was settled out of court, and the movie never saw the light of day. Even though it's not the exact same situation, that situation reminds me of the movie Goldfinger with Eddie Murphy and Steve Martin. Bowfinger. Bowfinger. Goldfinger. Mm -hmm. God. Bowfinger. Where they basically just, like, film a movie star without his knowledge and cut it together with like a stand in and make it look like the movie star stars in the film that he doesn't even know he's taking part of. Mm-hmm. It's a dumb movie. I recommend it. Anyway, Pete, did you know about the tremors pilot in 2018 with Kevin Bacon? Yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. Well, you knew about this already. This was scrapped out of what I consider likely bad judgment. Uh, the 1990 cult horror film tremors, which if you haven't seen, uh, about a sandworm-infested town has had a crap ton of sequels, all of which I assume were terrible. And it originally starred Kevin yeah. Bacon. But he actually never took part in any of the sequels. Yeah. But he finally came back to the franchise for a 2018 sci-fi TV pilot that was scrapped and never released. And Kevin he Bacon said, himself is like, I don't know what happened. Yeah. Exactly. It was good. <laughs> Quote, we made an excellent pilot outside of Albuquerque. We recreated the town, had a really great cast, director, and a writer. And to this day, I still don't understand why they didn't want to move forward with it. He said, bewildered uh, to Dread Central in 2020. Instead, at the time, Sci-Fi picked up uh, the, uh, the series uh, Deadly Class, which only lasted one season. So... Egg on your face, sci-fi. <laughs> they make a lot of bad decisions. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have three more of note. Um, Uncle Tom's Fairy Tales was scrapped out of, I'm not entirely sure, but anger, sort of. Out of fear uh, that it sounded like an anthology Oh, porno. Well, <laughs> Richard Pryor wrote, directed, and starred in Uncle Tom's Fairy Tales and then shredded its work print, but not its negative. I don't know what the difference between a work print and a negative is. But he shredded its work print after an argument with his wife. I don't know what this argument was about, but for some reason he did this. (laughs) The film revolved around a group of black activists who kidnap a wealthy white man and put him on trial for racial crimes in American history. Some footage of this movie still exists, and scenes from the film were shown at a Directors Guild of America event honoring Richard Pryor in 2005, but the full print was never publicly screened. Uh, Jennifer Pryor, I don't know if that's his daughter, I cut out the part where it said how she was related to him, (laughs) recently found some additional footage from the film and has spent a lot of time hunting for the original negative but they suspect it's still hidden away in a lab somewhere, and they may never find it. Goodbye. Um, I'm going to now mention... So this one was not completely finished, but it was pretty far along. This is a weird one. 
The Day the Clown Cried was scrapped for reasons that I think I don't need to explain. I'll just read about it. Slapstick comedian Jerry Lewis's unreleased 1972 film has the entertainer playing a circus clown imprisoned in a Nazi concentration camp. Mm-hmm. Say no more. Uh, <laughs> according to reports, his clown character performs for Jewish children in the camp, gets beaten up, and eventually ends up leading said Jewish children to their deaths in the gas chamber trying to keep them distracted in their final moments. Lewis realized he had a potential disaster on his hands and helped (laughs) the film from being released. He said, you will never see it. No one will ever see it because I am embarrassed at this poor work. I don't know why he got access, but Simpsons voice actor Harry Shearer saw a cut of this movie in 1992. And he said... Seeing this film was really awe-inspiring, and that you are rarely in the presence of a perfect object. This was a perfect object. This movie is so drastically wrong, its pathos and its comedy are so wildly misplaced, that you could not, in your fantasy of what it might be like, improve on what it really is. (laughs) Oh my god, that's all I can say. (laughs) That was fascinating. Um, and I'm going to end on what I consider, I don't, I don't know how I'd ever heard of this. I don't know how this ever came to be. <laughs> um, okay. The Brave was a movie scrapped due to horrendous reviews during its, like, first and only filming. So, okay, this isn't completely unreleased. But, I mean, have you ever heard of it? It's, I'm going to need to hear more. Okay. Because I had heard of the Jerry Lewis thing before. I just didn't okay. know its name. So, The Brave starred Johnny Depp, and is actually Johnny Depp's first and only feature directorial venture. <laughs> How did I not know he directed something? And uh, the film starred Johnny Depp, along with his friend Marlon Brando, uh, Luis Guzman... And to other people, I don't know. And is based on the harrowingly bleak novel by Gregory McDonald. Depp portrays Raphael, why, an indigenous person. How has he cast as an indigenous person multiple times in his career? Yeah. Anyway, an indigenous person of an unspecified tribe living in a condemned junkyard who seeks a last-ditch effort to provide for his family, Pete. Is there, I need to know, just think outlandish. What do you think he does for his last-ditch effort to provide for his family? It would be, would it be working or, like, committing a crime? Uh, I feel like it's actually a combination. Okay. Kidnapping a white person. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, not weird enough. Uh, he has the opportunity to star in a snuff film, and he will be the one that is killed. Oh, that's so nice. The lead up to the day he is going to be the victim in a snuff film, and I guess all that money will go to his family. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> and so this was in 1997. Uh, like I said, it 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 was 
briefly released. It was shown as the, at the Cannes Film Festival. It also had a very, very, very small release in France. But reviews were so scathing that Death refused to release it in America or anyone else. Um, there is no trace of this film on any mainstream platform. At best, perhaps you could get some sort of imported, hard-to-find DVD of it. Um, I will note, you do not see any of the snuff film. This is not Johnny Depp directing his own version of a Serbian film, if you know what that is. Uh, the whole movie is basically the lead-up to him about to be in that snuff film. And I read that the people who saw it said it was just so brutally depressing and so long. It's like, why would anyone want to subject themselves to that? Yeah. So, yeah, guys, I will say, um, have I found another movie that was scrapped because the studio wanted to write it off on their taxes? No. <laughs> so that seems to be a first in the world of unreleased movies and projects. I'm sure there's I been a lot of projects that haven't been nearly complete that they've done that with. Yeah, but complete, totally complete? I don't know. I just feel like that's the cruelest Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> that I, I'd rather be, you know, sued by Sylvester Stallone or have horrible reviews and know I gave it my best than know I gave it my best and no one's seeing it because it's an easy way to help the companies get some money back. <laughs> so, fuck you, Warner Brothers. Um, yeah, that's it. You have any questions? No. That was, uh, thank you because I had heard about the Batgirl thing. But I did not know the details. Um, and then I saw the Kevin Smith thing in a headline, and I was like, I don't like Kevin Smith. Uh, so <laughs> thank you for laying it all out. You're welcome. Yeah, I just needed to get to the bottom of it, and I realized it was it was, it was was pretty interesting and pretty sad. Uh, also, I had no idea that Michael Keaton was in it. Um, I did know that, yeah. I didn't know that Brendan Fraser was going to be in it, though. Oh, See, that would be exciting. Poor Brendan Fraser. Is Brendan um, Fraser still like fat? He can't play that guy fat. Who's Firefly? You know who that is? I think he's a guy who shoots fire. He's not fat? No, I think he flies with fire. Just because you're fat doesn't mean you can't fly. Please. I understand, but what I'm saying is... <laughs> do you have any plugs? <laughs> plugs. You know, I forgot. Guys, I... This is the lamest plug I can give. Uh, I'm still watching Bob's Burgers, like, every day of my life. I'm on season seven. There are only 12 seasons. I'm not going to know how to live my There are only 12 seasons? Yes, there are only 12 seasons. And when I'm done with all of them, I'm not going to know how to live with myself. I'm just going to have to start watching it all over again. You have to start watching but, Sex in the City again. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess, yeah, I could just recycle my mainstays. Cougar Town. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, actually. <laughs> uh, I do have to say, probably most of you have seen it. I didn't see Bob's Burgers so recently. Uh, the, the movie is now on Hulu. Um, it is probably one of the most joyous shows I have ever experienced in my life. It brings me so much joy. I know it's not anything new, but if you haven't revisited it in a while, or if, like me, you never saw it, give it a chance. Even though my father said it was completely unfunny, and my brother said it was, uh, okay. And when I tried to make Mike Stinson watch it, he lasted a minute and then shamed me. <laughs> <laughs> so 
My mom laughed at it, and my mom goes, I hate cartoons. (laughs) When it came on, and then at the end of the episode, she's like, that was kind of (laughs) cute. Adorable. What's your plug? I wanted to plug, uh, if you're already a Patreon subscriber, then you got me ruining Orphan First Kill. But I have to tell you, I loved it. Uh, You should all do whatever you can to see Orphan First Kill. Uh, Steal somebody's Paramount Plus login and make sure you get to see it. Uh, It is a lot of fun. And my Pete Ruins a Movie on Patreon covers it all. But the best part is that the actress is a full-grown adult woman who's playing a 10-year-old kid. Uh, or I should say it looks like a 10-year-old kid. And um, the way they shoot it and the way that they use body doubles and stuff, I loved it. I loved it. Guys, um, I knew I had a plug and I forgot about it. I just need to say that I did listen to Pete's Ruin, Ruins mo- a movie, Orphan. And I also listened to his... Um, La Brea Prevea, two Patreon uh, side series that he does. And I realize that I am the weakest link of our podcast. And when I'm <laughs> not there, I think our podcast is better. This is why I texted you earlier and said, you are living a good life. <laughs> I am not, so I have time to do all this shit. <laughs> so, guys, I will say, uh, if you like this podcast at all, you will love that. Because he adds in all these, like, sound drops. And he's very riveting. I like. I am. I told you I don't listen to our show because I don't need to hear myself talk. But boy, do I love Pete's little side sister shows. Um, the La Brea Purvea is free at Patreon.com/slash Y'all Heard. So I wasn't sure how we were going to segue because I feel like this will be a, a tiny bite-sized podcast in itself. Uh, I have. Luckily, we only have about thirty minutes to talk about it. Oh. <laughs> Before uh, Marissa's we, only appointment for the day. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we're about to talk about the rehearsal. So if you have not watched it or you don't want anything spoiled, I would say turn off the show now. Uh, but we just needed to debrief. And I think Pete gave me the option of doing a whole episode on this. But I found the show so... It, like... It, like keeps like turning in upon itself to a point where it just implodes and i don't understand like i i think by like episode four i no longer know how to clearly discuss the show anymore because mm-hmm. i can barely hold on to it <laughs> they have a new show on netflix right now called echoes and it stars michelle moynihan and she plays twins and the the story the story involves these two twins who change lives every year on their birthday. Mm-hmm. So one takes over the other person's life, the other one takes over the other person's life. Bangs their husbands, takes care of their kids, does their job, all that stuff. And I'm like, that's messed up. Also, I don't know which one is which. Is that a comedy? I'm sorry? Is that a comedy? No. Wow. <laughs> That's weird. It's like a more like a thriller drama mystery kind of thing. Sounded like an absurdist comedy. Okay. <laughs> but um yeah, and and as I was watching that, I was like, well, at least it's not the rehearsal. <laughs> now, I want to start out by saying the rehearsal was riveting TV to me. Um 
I started so obsessed with it. Then it started getting a little complicated. This is how you can neg Marissa. (laughs) (laughs) And then it felt like it was biting off more than it could chew. And then I feel like it might have been losing its its focus. Then, then by the end. Me, <laughs> then at the end, it made me really uncomfortable. But at the end of the day, I'm glad that show exists. <laughs> Pete, take me through. Ew, there's a hornet on. Ew. Anyway, take me through your journey. Um, It's very similar. But by the end, I was wondering, yeah, like... Does uh, this guy want us to hate him? Because he is... Like, there's a couple of ways that you can look at it. And one of those ways is he's manipulating people. He's using people. He's kind of abusing people in a lot of ways. Especially a child actor. (laughs) And, um, like, at what cost does this series exist? Uh... I would say financially and emotionally. <laughs> I mean, financially, I would say the first thing I thought about this movie was who the fuck funded this and how much money do they have in their budget? Because they kept making large-scale reproductions of whole buildings inside of a studio, and it was absurd. Um, yes, I will say there is a very complicated situation. As I've, If you've heard us mention this show before, basically Nathan Fielder of Nathan For You fame, is helping strangers rehearse for big life events. So the first one starts simply, this guy has to tell his friend he's been lying about something. Then a guy needs to confront his brother about an inheritance, and that gets a little messy. Mm -hmm. And then a woman needs to practice having raising a child to see if she wants to have a child. And that just goes out of control. But that said, you need actors for these rehearsals, and the get the mud ah, the waters get a little muddied when you bring in the child actors. Yeah, and and, the, and then like Marissa texted me, one of the things they don't tell you about the child actor is that the child actor doesn't have a dad, and Nathan is playing the role of the kid's dad in an immersive experience with this child. Now, I read an article, of course, saying, like, you know, is this real controversy or was this made to be controversial on purpose? Like, is this all real? Did Nathan really fuck his kid's life a little bit? However, the kid seemed resilient and okay by the end. Mm -hmm. But if that is the case, that it's true, and that kid started getting attached to Nathan Fielder because he was playing Nathan's son and that kid had no father... I technically put more of the onus on the mother because I don't think necessarily that Nathan's production team needed to ask the mother whether or not that child had a father prior to hiring him. (laughs) They just needed to be like, hey, your child's an actor. Oh, can he do this? Yeah, sure. One of my favorite parts was the parents of the kids because, like, the one with the baby, they were like, um, we're going to have to do something a little bit different. And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Whatever. (laughs) Like... Yeah, so in this rehearsal, when they're rehearsing this woman raising a child, they want her to be able to experience, like, different ages. So, like, it starts as a baby, then it becomes, like, three, you know, seven, and so on. But there are child labor laws where children can only work so many hours. So, like, they're not going to sleep over the house overnight. Like, that child will work for the day, 
And then when it starts to become evening, <laughs> out of sight of, of this mother doing the rehearsal, they will switch the real baby for a robot baby through a window. If I was a parent, I would just be jarred by the fact that every day my child was being taken out of a window by a stranger. Like, what if you drop my child? I was like, that would be a deal breaker for me. So I really felt like all the parents allowing their children to be in this rehearsal, like, were kind of fucked. <laughs> and the thing that, like, like any good story your protagonist learns a lesson and it feels like the lesson that he learns is that you can't rehearse dealing with real people Mm -hmm. to which I said to Marissa, I was like, no shit. (laughs) Like nobody else thought that. (laughs) And the, the very large question that remains is if he learned that lesson, how the fuck are they going to have a season two? Because it's been renewed. So where can this go? Because it really ended looking like he learned his lesson and knows better than to ever try and do this project ever again. Yeah. What did you think of um, the the like him trying to? Te- okay, guys, this is really difficult to explain, but um, he is fake married to a woman who is really really Christian. But Nathan mm-hmm. Fielder is Jewish, and so at a certain point, he starts to sneak his kid off to meet with a rabbi so that the kid can learn about Judaism. I thought that was pretty fucky. <laughs> I know that, again, those are kids acting, but I think the age of the actor at that part of the storyline was young enough that he could get his wires crossed and leave that project not knowing what he believes and there was a brief tiny mention of it in the finale about like you know he does he's coming home with these different things and he's not sure you know what to say or whatever or what to think yeah yeah i don't know and i feel like nathan fielder's like a thoughtful person i know he acts insane on the show but i read an interview where he was not like so much in character uh for uh av club it was an old interview but um it was I don't know. I I think he's a thoughtful person, an intelligent person. And, I mean, he helped, like, cut the scenes and edit the scenes together. So he knew what he was doing. But, like, yeah, exactly. I feel like it ends in a way that everyone's going to be like, holy shit, this is fucked up. Yeah. Which I felt like, Nathan, for you, in some ways, it was fucked up. Like, if you haven't seen Nathan for you, he like comes up with ideas to enhance businesses. And one of them involves like him convincing someone to make duty ice cream. And you might be like, Ew, that's fucked up. But it's still like, it's still like fun and funny and, and like goofy. But this seems like it's real world. <laughs> yeah. So it, it does end up feeling like a social experiment that you're watching happen. And you're not quite sure if it's real or not. Evidently, all the people have signed NDAs out the ass. Yeah. And so um, you're not really sure, but you watch it. And yeah, I think a different person might watch it and be like, oh, yeah, that is interesting. You can't you can't manipulate people's emotions or you can't anticipate how they're going to respond to things. But I'm kind of and maybe it's because I'm old, but I'm like, yeah, (laughs) like, (laughs) I mean, I think as I was saying to Pete in a text earlier, 
like, yeah, I know that you can't control the outcome, but when I had big things to do, I'd still rehearse them. Once I remember me sitting with my roommate on our porch and we had to pretend we were sitting in a car and I had to pretend to break up with her because there's this guy I was seeing that I didn't want to see anymore, but I was so afraid. I'm like so socially weird that I needed to like practice and she would like, you know, say things back pretending to be him. So it's not like I thought that if I aced the, aced the rehearsal, it would go exactly like that. But you know, rehearsing for things does help take the edge off a little bit. So I did buy into the concept up front. But if I was core in the beginning of this show, I gotta say, after like an hour, I'd be like, okay, this is enough. Like, I'm ready to meet with my friend and have this conversation. But they just go on and on, and they rehearse almost every single possible thing that could happen. Um, and the intention is that if something goes wrong, he has a plan and like a path that he can choose, like a flowchart of what to he do. He has a literal flowchart. Yeah. That wasn't, yeah, a literal flowchart. And well, one of the things they didn't plan for was pizza taking too long, which threw the man yeah. off of his game, but he still managed to, like, get through what he had to do. And I think even that goes to the message that Nathan learned at the end, which is you can't anticipate how people are going to respond to things. <laughs> like, Core could have just been like, I don't know what to do, I'm calling this quits, I'm done. But instead, he figured out what to do next, and he was still able to go through with things. Which begs the question, why are there five more episodes? (laughs) Well, I will say, at the end of the day, my final overall review, or my final takeaway is, I will watch anything Nathan Fielder does (laughs) for the rest of my life. I don't regret watching it, but also I wish it was a little bit more clear what I was supposed to get out of it. Yes. As I agree with that. So, yeah, uh, like I said, it is an overall good review. It just had a lot of shit to unpack. I do recommend the show. So let's consider this a very um, extended plug. And they say that's what good art does. It leaves you talking about it when you're done. And so it is, in that respect, good art. Because, yeah, I could see a number of, you know, like you sit 10 people down to watch this show, you might have 10 different opinions of what's happening when you reach the end, so. Yeah. So, if you watch the rehearsal, even just one episode, we want to hear what you think. Call us at 570-POD-WOD-1. Pete, how else can they contact us? They can join us at patreon.com slash yallheard or email us at shout at yallheard.me. And as... With any time, you can always slide into my DMs at Wrist Vandal, R-I-S-S-V-A-N-D-A-L. And I will I will accept DMs if you want to be on the La Brea podcast. All right. Love it. It's a side conversation. It's You're not going to be there for the whole show. It's just going to be like a five, ten minute conversation about what you love about La Brea. <laughs> the sound drops in the, those episodes are fantastic. Thank you. uh, I try to keep them sparse, but poignant. (laughs) Absolutely. They make the difference. Um, Guys, I want to thank you for listening, as always. um, Thank you for sticking with us. I know over the past months, uh, we've had to miss some episodes and replay some episodes. So thank you for being loyal listeners. And stay safe out there. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye.